0: It's Learning to Listen with Quinn, Naomi, and Charlie.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, welcome back, Learning to Listen. Naomi Carmack. Hi. Charles Biddescombe. I'm uh, your host, Quinn Clark. Uh, We're doing something today. We're going to call Bargain Bin. Bargain Bin. We've been doing... We did a couple episodes of Staff Picks. So now we're going to do the other side of that, which is the Bargain Bin. You walk into the record store, you want to know where the cool stuff is? You know, it's on the wall, it says Staff Picks. If the staff is cool, that is. Depends on where you are. But, you know, (laughs) that's the idea anyway. So... Charlie was saying, we've been talking about all these good records or at least stuff we're kind of into, you know, or we've been talking to people who like the album that we're talking about. We need to challenge ourselves a little bit. We need to do something a little tougher, you know. Mm. We need to pick some music that might challenge us a bit. And not just like musically per se, like not just like, oh, we need to get into like some Tchaikovsky and try and understand like, you know, movement number three or whatever. I don't know. But... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but this is more about movement number 2.
2: Yes. <laughs> sure. I literally had to poop after listening
1: to this. <laughs> so, this is what we're calling bargain bin because that's where you would go in the store to, you know, find the stuff that's like, oh, didn't really make the cut. It's not selling. Where is it? It's in the bargain bin. But you know, it's a couple bucks. All right, maybe take a chance on it. So,
0: got to get some new uh new music for that uh, weekend drive out to your cabin or whatever. You need some new tunes, mm-hmm. freshen
1: it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we decided to kick this off With a real polarizing record yeah. <laughs> From one of the biggest bands ever One of the biggest yeah. most multi-platinum selling bands of all time And that's kind of going to be the idea with this series I think Is we're going to try and pick records like this one You know the one that really just took the fucking train Off the fucking rails <laughs> This one is Saint Anger Metallica's 2003 record saint anger yeah so
2: why are they so angry
1: (laughs) they've always been angry where Uh, do we where do we where do we start
2: the album art
1: okay okay let's let's start with the album art what's the first impression you get about this record bondage like does it look like a metallica album cover no it does not It's designed by the same guy who did Load and Reload. Right.
2: (laughs) So there's less cum on this cover.
1: Yeah. There's just a... (laughs) No cum in blood. (laughs) Fist wrapped up. I mean, okay. angry. It's angry. It's angry. It's in this, like, era, this 2003 era, you know, of music where... I would almost say this is this isn't a traditional metal record. This isn't a traditional Metallica album. This is kind of a new metal album.
2: I thought that the whole premise of this album was that James Hetfield got sober and started writing, and it was supposed to be like old Metallica again.
0: Um I think, I think that's that sounds half right. I think it's like he was he wrote this while he was getting sober.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's where a lot of the the lyrics and stuff come from
1: kind of you know that, here's the thing okay now think about where metallica were at in their career at this point right this is 20 years plus since oh, you know yeah. like they've like they were making waves like in the 80s they were kind of almost this force of like the underground you know people who were in the know they were the coolest band like they they were they, they were taking metal in a new direction they, they they became one of the big four As, as it's referred to right mm-hmm. Big three or big four And uh, and you know They had about a decade or so Like the 80s were basically like Okay they were They they were this you know cool band That if you knew about them You knew about them But mainstream not so much right Then 90s they, they go pretty mainstream mm-hmm. Like almost pop right? starts with the Black Album, Black Album, suddenly it goes into more traditional song structure, verse, chorus, guitar solo, you know, that sort of thing.
2: Surprisingly, my favorite era.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's just it, right? And then they had a decade of that, but the people who were their hardcore fan base early on hated. Their their pop records, right? They sure did. They yes. were like, "What is this polished like pop shit?" I mean, I remember uh, I was even fairly young, you know. I I didn't discover med- Well, I had a couple. I had a cousin who was older, and I I remember he was uh, a bit of a metalhead, and I remember him telling me that the Black album was like their sellout album, right? Yeah. And I didn't really hear that though from like the kids I knew at school and stuff like that. You know, that's the album that they discovered Metallica. They'd never heard Ooh. "Ride the Lightning" or "Kill 'Em All." Maybe they heard a little bit of "Master of Puppets," or maybe one was getting played a little bit late night on Much Music or MTV. But you know, it's "Enter yeah. Sandman." It's that yeah. single that brings everybody in, right? And then what they basically a riff.
2: what a riff, though! Like that's an undeniable classic now.
1: Yeah, but that's Bob Rock, um, who you know he's like, all right, if you guys want to break into the mainstream, let's focus on one or two solid riffs a song not like songs with many parts many riffs 7 minutes long let's just do 3 to 5 minute songs with repetitive like riffs and stuff like that polish this up a little bit let's add a little more uh you know let's like let's let's fill out the low end <laughs> right mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like famously metallica even before they uh kind of mixed jason out of um injustice for all altogether <laughs> Their early records are very trebly records, right? Mm. Um you know, but they spent the 90s with a very FM radio friendly, you know, compressed um yeah, smooth low end smooth. sound. They basically just for uh, you know, and they only really put out three records in the nineties. They put out the black album, they put out load and then reload and reload was basically just stuff left over mostly from load. And then anything else that came on the nineties was all like, you know, garage days, you know, here, like d- here's us kind of revisiting demo tapes die, from like die, the early die, days,
2: my darling.
1: yeah. Yeah. Doing the misfits but and numbers. stuff. And like, uh, S which is more as polished as polish can get. Now we're playing with an orchestra, right? Yeah. You know, like
2: I love SM. I also enjoy that. the album
1: good oh yeah and the album is good yeah Mm -hmm. but so now you have now you now you have this band that's like gone through okay we were the darlings of the underground we we were selling records you know to the mainstream you know like that's decade number two what's decade number three gonna be (laughs) let's completely reinvent ourselves
0: and they just drop their pants and shit all over
1: the thing well, okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Let's go around the table and say like
2: the, the treble came back.
1: Well, let's say, okay. Uh, I, You guys both hated this record, right? Yes. Yeah. Charlie, I would say that I hated it. I, like I, back, I, back to front. Hated it with one caveat
0: hmm. halfway through halfway through. I found myself thinking. Why don't I hate this as much as I did when it started? Like the first couple of songs, the worst. Yeah. Lyrics, everything. Just all terrible. But maybe I think about halfway through my brain kind of like numbed to it. And I was like, just it was on and I was more more indifferent to it than anything. Yeah. You know, I still don't wouldn't say that I liked it.
2: I think it's it was too maybe the treble levels. I don't know. It was just too present for me to ignore it and put it in the background. It was present in a way that made me want to stab out my eardrum. Like, <laughs> like I, I will say that, like when I said treble, what was going on with the drum tone in this album? Because it sounds like Lars is beating on pots and pans throughout every song. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. We'll we'll, yeah, well, we'll get to that. He made a decision about the drums and he stuck with it. Um, I got to say, I didn't hate this. You didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I didn't like everything about it, but there is some stuff I really liked about it. I was really surprised. Like there was, I should put it this way. I really surprised how much I appreciated things about it.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Does that make sense?
2: Yes, it does. I did try to find some positivity in it too. I was trying to look for things that I liked.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. Maybe it was that my expectations were super low going into it. Yeah. Um, like let's go around the table and ask like had anybody listened to this back to front before?
0: I don't think I have I had I don't
1: think I had, yeah,
2: I think I tried to before I definitely tried to,
1: yeah, I was definitely in the presence of this album being played once or twice of like other people superfluously, you know, and holy like...
2: shit, these songs are long, <laughs> like well... the shortest one is five twenty five <laughs> no five fourteen. And the longest one is like 846.
1: Hmm. My biggest memory of when this album came out was that single, Saint Anger. Right. And it just being so weirdly jarring and messy and kind of like, you know, after a decade of a polished Metallica, plus also being very familiar at this point with their early work and kind of being, you know, I I was definitely on the side of like 80s metallica beats the hell out of 90s metallica like 90s metallica can just suck it right like that stuff was just so fucking um just, good no it was <laughs> you know what i, I james hetfield's like voice was just i don't know it, it was too trend- i don't know what it was it just oh wasn't- i
2: fucking loved it i loved it because i'm a melody hound and that there, there i was like Oh, songs like um, "The Memory Remains." I was digging um, songs like "Bleeding Me." Very cool. I thought they were really strong tunes. I See,
1: mean, they were always a strong band and strong performers. But give me the riffs. Give me, give me the thrash metal. Give me the seven-minute songs that, like, you know, can yeah. take you in surprising directions. Sure. Not just, not just, just establish the riff right off the top of like the first bar of the song. And then just hammer it home, you know, and you know, like I I appreciate that James Hetfield's voice matured and dropped, you know, like in range. (laughs) But like, man, he, there was just too much of that that James Hetfield like uh, uh, back of the throat singing in the '90s. I missed the like, I missed the expressive, you know, like yeah, Yeah, the the exactly me fight ya! <laughs> Sorry, I'm clipping my mic. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got off track there, but, uh, well, I was, I well, that's how he made it metal
2: again, was the, it was, it was just hard rock now, so he had to make it metal, so he like, yeah!
1: And that's what oh, did it. I remember what I was saying now, um, that, so, Saint Anger was just weird, like, that single? It was just weird, right?
2: It was one of the <laughs> songs that kind of annoyed me the least.
1: um, yeah, I still wasn't a big fan of it per se on 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 this record when I listened back to the record, mm-hmm. but two things that happened around this time that definitely put the nail on the coffin for me ever thinking I'd get into this record would be not only was I really kind of turned off by the, the initial time I heard St. Anger, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting at the time. I don't know if I'd, maybe I would have been okay with a polished Metallica sound, but I really didn't care about Metallica at the time anyway. So yeah. it was like, eh, you know, whatever. I, I heard it. I saw the video. I remember the video of them being in San Quentin. Yeah. And, and I was like, ah, oh, guys, like you're not really helping yourself look tougher by playing to, you know, prisoners in, in San it's Quentin. It's like, You look like you're trying. Exactly. Somebody beat you to it and they did it's it in the been 60s. Done.
0: Simpsons did it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, But then the documentary, some kind of monster came out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that has to be mentioned too, is that this is a, this is the era of Metallica where there was a bit of a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths from like all the suing their fans and, you know, the file sharing and Napster. And then you watch that documentary and you're like, Oh, look at these millionaires crying about how hard it is to be millionaires. And, yeah. you know, like they ha- they have to go to therapy because they can't get along because they're like we're too rich and famous. You know, like it doesn't gain or get like uh you're like oh, these this isn't the this isn't the long hair like you know band like touring out of a van. <laughs> no, these these guys are out of touch and they're out of, you know, I don't know. You're right.
2: There was an animosity towards them from a lot of people during. So that.
1: yeah, and then watching uh, watching that documentary really drove that home for me. I just hated watching that thing. I remember was, just,
2: was that the one that was basically showing their therapy sessions? Yep. And like, they brought back Dave Mustaine, who was crying like a little bitch.
1: Lars and Mustaine had like a work it out session. Yeah. 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 So what happened was they were supposed to start this record and then things were falling apart, you know, Jason quit and he quit pretty publicly. You know, and it was just like... It was kind of one of those like, eh, fuck those guys, right? He was tired yeah. of being the butt of their jokes or whatever. He wanted to... You know, he just wasn't into it. He wasn't uh, into the egos and the personalities and and whatever was going on behind the scenes. He, so he was out. Mm-hmm. Um, they started the album, but then Hetfield uh, decided he wanted to go into uh, rehab. So they put... they They paused for about six months. They still... Did some projects. They they did a they they worked with Jaw Rule at that time and put out a what? A, yeah yeah yeah. The without Headfield, the other well two members at that time, Lars and and uh, Kirk Hammett mm-hmm. uh, worked with Jaw Rule and put out a track on some compilation record where Let's they see. back they backed him up. So they were dipping their toe into hip hop at the time. This is like in the era of like, you know, like rap rock, new metal, you know, was still pretty present on the radio. Um, You know, like this is, this is a weird, weird, weird era for music and heavy music and metal in particular, like the definition of what, what counts as metal was getting really blurry. And then, yeah, Hetfield comes back after six months, they get into the studio, they decide... This is going to be a, 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 you know, a totally different thing, inspired by James's kind of new like lease on life. After doing his rehab for six months, they decided it would be good for all of them to maybe do some group therapy, <laughs> right? And that's also when the documentary cameras showed up to document everything. And uh, yeah, the process of this record was well documented, and uh, it's a it's a train wreck front to back
0: it is a train wreck front to back
2: okay i would say there was one song that i didn't mind Mm -hmm. um that i would listen to again uh track number seven called shoot me again which is (laughs) kind of funny because i felt like i should be shot while i listened to the album but i was actually digging that one and i think it's because of the fact that there was actual melody in it So I was digging that song. I kind of found
1: that with Sweet Amber, track number eight.
0: There there was one that had some more harmonies than, like, I think only one song had actual harmonies on it.
1: Yeah, the only voice on the whole thing is James, I think.
0: And I did appreciate when the harmonies showed up. I was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit more. I felt
2: felt like music again.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, let's talk about the decisions they made for this record um number one the most the thing that sticks out the most obviously and we mentioned a little bit before is the drum sound yeah
0: so it's like to me it feels like uh you know i i know it was a decision that was made but it feels like so he forgot to hit the the switch Mm. on his on his snare that's
1: literally what happened is that they started tracking drums and he had been tuning his drums. And obviously, they're tuned a little flat, too, on purpose for whatever. Lars has always been you know, had a pretty controversial drum oh, sound, it, even back in the day.
0: Even when I've enjoyed, like, even in the 80s Metallica, I, I love 80s Metallica. 90s Metallica, I even really like 90s Metallica. But I've never liked the drums. They always sound like shit. So it didn't surprise me that the drums on this one sound like shit, too. But just a completely different kind of shit. You know? Well,
1: this, they started, they started tracking the drums and he had, you know, been tuning the drums and he had the snare turned off and they started tracking. And all of a sudden he's a few bars in going like, Oh shit, I, I forgot to turn the snare on. But then he was like, uh, play that back for me. And they played it back and he was like, you know what? I'm going to go with it. I'm oh, going to leave the snare you, off for this entire record and let it ring out. Mm. And you know, it, I, I, it's, it, it sounds awful.
2: <laughs> I wonder how he got all the other guys on board with that idea.
1: I think it, because it was kind of almost their idea. Like, uh, I think James himself was a little bit like, cause think about this album. This album is basically James Hetfield's solo album. This is like a solo project, except that all the guys in Metallica are, are playing with him. Mm-hmm. Except for, I don't know. I don't know if Kirk Hammett's anywhere on this album. I don't know if he actually plays any guitar because you never hear like really a second guitar. Right. Kirk Hammett is famously a pretty fucking amazing lead guitar player, but not a very, not a very, very proficient, not a, especially in metal, uh, rhythm guitar player. There's a lot of scenes of, um, you, if you watch St. Anger, there's a lot of scene or not Saint Anger, I mean, some kind of monster, the documentary, there's a lot of scenes of like, you know, James Hetfield, like working out a riff and Kirk Hammett is struggling to like play the riff he's like i play guitar solos man i do the leads i don't have to i don't have to do the rhythm parts
2: so why did they do that why why
1: well they recorded solos and then they left them all off the record oh yeah um with the with the drums they decided that they wanted that they wanted this like um they they used less mics they 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 did like more room mics and less like individual mics so they got a room mix and then they even kind of like mm. let the drums ring ring out more like and and then it's just it's guitar drums uh it's bob rock picks up the bass and plays the bass oh it's one sound for everything for the whole record right the guitar sounds the same on the yeah. first track as it does on guitar the last track
0: bad and not not quite into. I know it sounds detuned for sure, but also detuned and then not in tune.
1: It's very. This is this is they were you they were going for this like let's go back 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 back. Not to Metallica, you know, not to like Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, you know, Master of Puppets, Metallica. Back before that, let's go back to high school. This record sounds like uh It sounds like a band like. A, it rehearsing jamming in the garage or in the basement
0: that's funny that's totally that that reminds me like i actually wrote this down i said that whole idea definitely reminds me of like songs i used to write in high school that were super heavy super angsty and terrible they recorded those songs and put them out on an album yeah (laughs) it's not good
1: no i know there's There's moments of playing on this thing that I appreciate quite a bit just for that energy. It's got a very punk rock kind of aesthetic to it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing. It doesn't need to be in tune. it just needs to have the energy.
1: Yeah, like and I I appreciate like the aggressive abrasiveness of it. I kind of like that it's a little bit subversive, but it's not easy to listen to. (laughs) No. There's moments where I catch myself banging my head a little bit and tapping my toe. And but then, yeah, man, you know what
0: that is? That's that's like that's like torture. That's like that's uh what is it, gaslighting Stockholm syndrome? Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> because you've been listening to a song for seven minutes, and they don't change the riffs around a lot. No, but so by by five minutes into a seven minute song, you've been hearing this same riff a hundred like like over and over and over. That gets stuck in your head, and you're like, okay. You, well, you, I caught myself tapping my foot at points too, and I was like, I don't think I'm enjoying this, but I'm still tapping my t- my foot to it. You know, like.
1: Well- I, I'll I'll say right off the top when I hit play on track number one, frantic. Right off the top, I found myself going like, "Okay, okay, okay, I'm on board. I'm on board. This is all right. This is great." And then James Hetfield started singing,
0: <laughs> and that was a that then
1: you're out. And then I was like, "Okay, this is weird. It's very raw. It sounds like a scratch track. It doesn't sound like studio vocals. It sounds yeah, like the
2: vocals not very polished, is it?"
1: But it, it's not polished on purpose. Even Bob Rock said, like, we did it quickly, we didn't uh we didn't give it time to get a great performance out of yeah. out of James. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And it's like, well that's interesting. Like so you chose to take I don't know, I guess a performance over like get get the good take, like, oh, you're a little flat here or there, whatever. Like, this is not um you know he's not thinking much about melody and then the lyrics though is what really gets me is the lyrics are really uncreative on this record
0: <laughs> can i can I, I wrote a couple of them down actually yeah yeah but, yeah. let's hear it um the biggest one that <laughs> my lifestyle determines my death style was one that i was just like what is happening here what am i doing?
1: <laughs> oh how about just throw out the first track where he's like frantic tick 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 tick
0: yeah. uh he actually Talk. said in the in, the fr- in frantic he says uh, if i could have my wasted days back would i use them to get back on track which led me to an internal monologue of like yeah if i if, if i listened to this whole album and it's like this would it be better if i had not listened to this album like what if if i could have this hour and 15 minutes back in my yes. life how yes. would i what would i do better you know like so even right off the bat that's what i was thinking with these lyrics
1: um yeah, the, the lyrics for the most part are are pretty shallow, I guess. They're not deep. No. It's weird, though, because, okay, so in the writing process, too, it was another thing where they jammed all this out. It was just off-the-cuff stuff. They would get a few parts for a song, and they'd, they'd lay it all down. And then once they had all the parts laid down, like, which is so funny because there's there's hardly any overdubs, very few. Mostly if there are overdubs, it's in the vocals. Um, the, you know, the guitars, the drums, all the bass, all pretty much sound the same, you know, from front to back. Like they didn't do a ton of processing on anything, which is very apparent. But I guess what happened was then Bob, Bob Rock would go into like Pro Tools or whatever they were using at the time. This is kind of, you know, fairly new technology still to be able to do this. And he arranged the songs by cutting and pasting the parts in whatever order he thought, so he, he used this as just his like, okay, that's, this is going to be the process of the album. Like, you know, tracking is one thing, but you know, we're not doing tons of overdubs. We're not,
2: but then they just we're not layering. layering. Yeah.
1: So he's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do is I'm going to build songs, uh, from literally going in to pro tools and cutting and pasting the parts. And then the band had to go back and learn these songs again
0: like once the album was finished
1: yeah to be like okay here's the arrangements here's the versions it's such a weird way to do it you know like you would they didn't instead of right writing a song they were like we wrote some parts we wrote some lyrics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we riffed it out bob rock went in the booth laid nope. some bass down and then uh once we were like okay yeah we've got however many songs i think there was a few left over from this but i don't mm-hmm. know how many But once, you know, they, they hit their goal of 75 minutes, you know, that's a full length of a CD, (laughs) 78, I think is technically how many minutes you can traditionally fit on a CD. They were like, all right, go knock yourself out, Bob. And he arranged the songs literally by cutting and pasting them in Pro Tools. (laughs) So a lot of the decisions you're hearing are Bob Rock's decisions. And Bob Rock is traditionally a guy in the industry who polishes people up. Right. Not the other way around. So that leads me to believe that this is more of an artistic statement than I ever thought it was because what you have here is you have guys who have fuck you money. Right. And they can make whatever they want. This thing still went platinum. It fucking won a Grammy. Not the whole album, St. Anger. St. Anger won the the single one. For what? For Best best metal performance. Oh, for oh, fuck's sake! There's, there's only
2: ever, there's only ever three bands that make a fucking metal album now, so of course they yep. were nominated.
1: Who were they competing Wait, against? Well, that's just <laughs> it. It goes to show you that, like, obviously, uh, it couldn't have been. I mean, there there was other records out at yeah. the time, right? That would have fit uh, that category. Yeah. No, I was, I was just to show you the Grammys. Saying, I know
2: there's thousands and thousands of bands making. Metal I know,
1: but I'm just saying that it just stuff. goes to show you the Grammys don't mean <laughs> don't mean shit. Metallica, Metallica won an award
0: for Saint Anger. Come on.
2: But the Grammys has also traditionally been really shitty to Metallica too. Like they've cut them off mid-performance, and like, <laughs> what was it? They had Lady Gaga play with them at the last Grammy performance oh, that they one was did, and, and 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 Hetfield's mic was like off, and she had to like give share her mic with him, and he was pissed when he left the stage. He was so mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a real tech fuck up. But they've been on the Grammys several times. I remember one of the first times I saw Metallica play on TV. I think it was the Grammys. They played Wherever I May Roam. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I remember sitting in the living room with my parents and trying to tell my dad, this is basically the same, you know, this is just a different version of I've been everywhere, man. He's <laughs> 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 like, I can't believe they're playing this kind of garbage on TV and I'm like, no, on, well, dad, you like you like country music about the same stuff.
2: That's not even a heavy tune, is it? Not really. no, not
1: in their catalog for sure, but definitely no. not compared to some other bands. Um yeah.
0: So I Okay, think- actually hold on, before we do that, I found who else was nominated alongside them in okay, two thousand four yeah. for Saint Anger. It was uh the nominees are Korn did my time, Marilyn Manson for Mob Scene, Spine Shank for Smothered, and Stone Sour for Inhale.
1: Oh, what a rough what a rough so. time for metal music. <laughs> that's not a good, that's not a good lineup. That's uh who would yeah. you give it to out of that? Who just off I, the top of your head? I would say, I'd say Manson.
2: That's what I was going to say. It would mm, be the most for Mob it would be.
1: Scene though, was that the same album as, uh, as uh dope show? Mm, let's find out.
2: I don't remember that song at all, but.
0: Uh, no, I don't think no, that's just his first single.
1: Cause I mean, at that point Manson's been around for a hot minute, like two thousand and four. So if the album was a two thousand and three record, that must have been Golden Age of Grotesque. That must have been that must have been um dope show We're All Stars Now. I don't think so. The I think it was show. later. No, I maybe. think it
0: was later. It does. It's not on the. It's not on the tracklist. It would have been on off, off of, for the album, the the Golden Age of Grotesque.
1: I don't remember that record at all. And it doesn't.
0: <laughs> I think Mob Scene is is maybe the only, the yeah. only thing I recognize off of there myself. But I've never been. I, one of the one of the things he was doing at the, He's he did the cover of Tainted Love around that time. But
1: other mm. than that, I don't know. Well. Either way, I I guess, I mean, if those are the nominees... All right, maybe. Maybe. I mean, whatever, right? (laughs) I don't know who's voting on it, but you're going to go, well, Metallica's (laughs) the only band on there that's metal metal. Yeah. Or supposedly, but this is not a metal album, per se. There's metal moments on it. Like, there's moments of thrash. There's even some moments that kind of, like, There's a few times I wish they would slow down and dig into those riffs a little bit and just maybe go a little bit stoner metal. That would have been cool. Well, that's just it. And I was thinking to myself, I was
0: like, okay, now I can like a slow, like a funky, heavy kind of thing or like even a slow grind kind of a, a riff. But like these still just don't sound good like that at all.
1: You know, Well, I think what really, really, really makes this album hard to listen to is mostly those drums
0: that's that's it I also did not appreciate the no solos
1: yeah but that was I, yeah. that was a that was a trend at the time
0: if you say that the Still solos is. were all recorded they just mixed them out I would love to hear like
1: a uh oh you can' hear the solo versions um so alternate turned, when they they toured this album and they toured it for like two two and a half years and they would do these songs live they played them totally different right they let the album be the album but then they are in when they're live they're like oh having a ringing out snare in a stadium sounds like shit right you know so they, kurt Kamet yeah. standing there going like well I have to do something he would play solos
0: right okay so if i found a live version of the saint anger album then that find
1: a find a bootleg yeah. from that era because here's what ended up happening was they only played those songs from this album for that tour and then after that the only a couple of songs ever made it into any more um, any more set lists, and they completely cut all of the songs from this album out of their set list by like 2008 at the latest Mm -hmm. the last one that they would play live uh, I believe was uh, the unnamed feeling and the unnamed feeling is when I was doing looking around for this for people who uh, uh, kind of defend this album Unnamed feeling was one that kind of got brought up a lot by a lot of people who are like, that's a, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the better songs on this album. And I'm like, I guess the band like playing it live and they left it in the set for as long as any other, any, any, like the singles didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's interesting, right? That you would go see like probably maybe better versions of these songs played live
0: right well that's just it now i would be more interested to hear how those sound how those sound right with it with a snare chain that's up and with guitar solos
1: like i don't know maybe i might like that more you know yeah because i was thinking like i mean it 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 sounds like a demo (laughs) it sounds like something you and me could go do right now yeah especially i mean i know there's technology has come a bit of a you know, further since then, right? It was well, it probably wasn't as accessible to to your average Joe at the time, but it wasn't far off. And now you, we can make this album with a laptop, yeah. And we can make it sound just like that, right? <laughs> we could we could literally go in the garage, turn up our Mesa Boogie rectifiers. Yeah, not that we have those, but we did, if we had we, them, we, we could we could just use a a, a like a, a ringing out shitty jam space, <laughs> you know, kit right Which a little slightly have, overdriven so. bass okay. and just do drop d riffs until the cows come home and just sing kill 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 yeah. in fact that's what we were doing in 2003. that's true that's true <laughs> we like that's what i mean like i i don't know if these guys in a weird way like they were. That's what they were trying to capture. They did it, but I don't know if they needed to put out a record of it. <laughs> what would have been maybe cooler?
0: Just put it on MySpace and shit.
1: If, if this had been like a, if this had been like a jam, say is this like a jam, like this should have been a leaked to the internet only thing, An underground album, yeah, yeah. For and sure. then you'd be like, man, you got to hear this. It's kind of cool. Like it would have a cult status by now, right? That's a, a cool better. idea. Yeah, yeah. But this got released as. And in a weird way, man, I kind of appreciate that it was a big like, all right, we're just gonna throw a big monkey wrench into our into our image, mm. you know? And that's gotta be only because you get fuck you money, and at that point you're like, it doesn't matter if this thing oh, sells fair, or not. Fair, right. Yeah.
0: I've already <laughs> sued all I've sued all the Napster, I've sued all our fans, I already got all their money, whatever. Here's some shit, you know, do whatever I want.
1: Is this one of those
2: at the end of the day, it's because they felt good about doing it? albums but then it's like uh maybe i don't know why but okay they just it was something to make them happy for some reason
0: yeah
1: yeah it was and you know i mean maybe it it did what it needed to do right it seems like they've they've somewhat got back on track after that
2: uh Um, lulu
1: well gonna say that's another that's not their fault
2: (laughs) what the hell was that well well, i've never listened to it Okay. We'll,
1: we'll have to yeah we'll have to we'll definitely do that on another show yeah but yeah. but other than that like there are they're they're metallica proper albums not you know uh uh collabs with yeah, yeah. lou reed <laughs> mm-hmm. um have been kind of a mixture of 90s and 80s metallica more polished song structure drums don't sound like shit i mean maybe i don't know what i've heard well, i haven't I haven't really kept up or paid attention. I don't own any of these records.
0: I think there's only been two other ones since since Yeah. And,
1: right. What is it? Death Magnetic and Hardwired. Yeah. Dot 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 to self-destruct. But, you know, yeah. as hated as this record is, um it sold it sold tons. I think it went like double platinum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... I went
0: I went looking online for like Uh, user reviews right so people who are like yay or nay because i wanted to see what what lots of people said about it and there were some who were like exactly what we said who were like you know the drums sound like shit the writing is terrible there's no guitar solos what the fuck right and that was a good half at least half of the the reviews (laughs) the other half were like fuck you guys this is amazing these these lyrics are deep and it's a
1: little more than half, man. When you look at it, like Metacritic and stuff, more. it usually comes out around 60 to 65%, <laughs> like out of 100 right? Right. Yeah. So it's very divisive, but on, on, enough people are like, and not just Joe Blow, public, who's mm-hmm. just like, shut up and talk to my favorite band. They can do no wrong. <laughs> it's critics. There's critics who, and I think it's the time, though. I think this was really not loved at the time, but I think with a little bit of space, Mm. and you know being able to revisit it like this was how long ago now this is it's 18 years ago that it came out roughly like okay there's been some time (laughs) we've had time we've had time to digest it maybe understand it you know have a have some distance have some perspective on it
2: i think what happens a lot of times is people have expectations fans have expectations and when they're not met then it becomes like a bigger deal than it actually is too
0: right put out know, uh, an album of songs and if you don't like it just wait for the next album it's no big deal
2: so they yeah. feel so let down because they've waited this many years and now they have to wait longer for something else or they just want to give up on the band it's like hey just you know listen to the t- tunes you like and go, don't worry go
0: back to the other albums you can uh you can keep plugging away at those
2: yeah yeah
1: but um but you yeah. know what i'll give it I'll, I'll i will give the album this it you know there's passion. <laughs> There's some drive there. There's ideas. <laughs> it's, it, it's not like it wasn't an, an interesting listen. Mm-hmm. It just probably went on a little too long. Mm-hmm. Okay. With yeah. with that with that, you know, on some songs, like it works a little bit, but then here's the problem is like he 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 would just would not lay off that snare. Like where it, it. where it's like every beat in the bar is bing, 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 bing. bing. Did you guys uh, did you guys and... catch the
0: song "Dirty Window" at all?
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that one kind
0: of caught my attention. That, that, that intro
2: one. was annoying
0: for me. That really sounded like they were going for like a Mardi Gras kind of or a Calypso-y kind of thing, but with these terrible drums. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like yeah. a like a new metal version of a Mardi Gras song. You know what I mean?
2: Yes.
1: So here's what Kirk Hammett said about uh, guitar solos. I, I just wanted to mention. That here's the idea about leaving the guitar solos off, is that he said we wanted to preserve the sound of all four of us in a room just jamming. We tried to put guitar solos on, but we kept on running into this problem. It really sounded like an afterthought. Mm. Uh, Hammett said that he was happy with the final product. So and then uh, Bob Rock stated we promised we made a promise to ourselves that we'd only keep stuff that had integrity. We didn't want to make a theatrical statement by adding overdubs which
0: solos get overdubbed. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And what's, so I guess it, it, I, to me, that sounds like it had probably had the quality of that, like guitar solo out of nowhere thing. Right. Which sometimes works. I I, I actually can think of a couple of records out of, the top of my head where I'm like, all of a sudden <laughs> guitar solo comes in out of nowhere. And you're like, that oh, guitar never, wasn't even being played earlier mm-hmm. in this song. But I, I guess they were like, no, we just want to sound like we're jamming. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like they're jamming, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, That's I mean, all fine
2: and dandy. It's just the song structure.
1: Goal, goal achieved, but yeah, was, no, it's not I, for me. No, I, I understand. I understand. Um, like I said, I, it's not a record I like or love, but there's some things I definitely appreciate about it. Right. And I do have to say I was surprised. Huh i didn't hate it, okay i didn't love it but I i'm not not, com- not a totally indifferent to it either i was i i just yeah i i was just going i maybe like it was low expectations going in, but you know i don't know what like let's let's uh let's sum it up like you know uh, yeah. what like what are your final thoughts and feelings uh let's start uh naomi you go first
2: it brings me no pleasure. so i wouldn't listen to it again and um i will continue to be a fan of metallica's melodic work
1: okay fair enough fair enough charlie what are your what are your thoughts
0: i i didn't like it but i would be interested in like i was saying finding a a live bootleg of them playing all these songs so that i could hear i would like to hear what it could have sounded like or what maybe it should have sounded like you know what i mean
1: yeah you know if you go on like youtube and soundcloud or, and places like that you can find people who have like just, added like bass to
0: drums and yeah added <laughs> bass and whatever and put in. well
1: yeah to to earlier metallica stuff so i wouldn't be surprised if you can find people who have fixed Right. Yeah, the drums or whatever, uh, maybe added a little, a little more production (laughs) to these to these tracks, and you know, Mm -hmm. like I remember, I put on, uh, I put on, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. I wish I could give him a plug right now, but there's like a couple, you know, there's these prominent people on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and uh, this one guy, one of his videos was like, I, 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 tracked, bass, (laughs) for, injustice for all and i put it on and listened and i was like yeah this is fucking awesome <laughs> like <laughs> this album is great these songs are great and it just sounds better right with the low end filled out a little bit right you know so maybe that exists maybe that exists for some i think
0: it does i think in one of the when i went down a uh a comment thread of of user reviews somebody was like well in the album that i recreated of it with the with the drums and blah 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 so i i think it's out there i think it's just a matter of going out and finding it, which you know what I would do just to hear just for the interest of to hear what it would sound like fixed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm curious enough to see what this album would have sounded like with a little more production, you know, fix those drums. There's a few spots where like, I was like, okay, as a, as, as a choice, mm-hmm. I, I get it. But like to just be so relentless with it, Right. You no, know, if it had been like in a couple of spots in a song where you're like, "Ooh, that, you know, subversive to be like, oh, threw the chain off and bing, 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 there's, and then chain back on it, pop,
0: pop." There's a line. There's a there's a thing in my head that keeps coming back to this idea where is it? Like, kill, 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 kill. That's how we should kill. That's how we should end the episode for sure.
2: Uh, oh yeah. There,
0: there's an idea in my head that says that he forgot to put the chain up for the first take of the first song. And there's just a, a, a dickheaded fighting in his head where he's like, no, fuck you. I meant to do it like that. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way I want it to sound. You know, like, no, that's the way it sounds now. And then do it for the rest of the episode. You know what I mean?
1: Or maybe he's kind of an evil genius. And this is James Hetfield being like, you know, okay, I'm back from uh, rehab and I'm, and I'm thinking clearly and I'm straight and sober and we're going to make this album my way. And Lars is like, okay. Yeah, we'll make the album your way. Pong, Take pong, some- pong, <laughs> pong. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe that's Lars's subtle, like, passive aggressive. Like,
2: maybe. maybe, it's
0: passive aggressive.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Every time you hear that pong, that's just like a fuck you, James. Fuck you, James. Fuck you, James.
2: This could be very likely. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, he seems kind of petty, doesn't he? Like, he seems. Oh, like he's a petty,
2: all. Yeah. He seems. Sorry, Lars, but he seems like a little bitch <laughs> sometimes. So. <laughs>
1: Well, you know that him and the, the dude that ran Napster are now buddies and they're business partners. Yeah. And they're slowly but surely working on revealing a new version of Napster or something that's gonna like mm-hmm. be a not so much a file sharing network as, as a streaming platform. So What a they,
2: happy ending for them.
1: There you yeah, go. They worked out their differences. Well he showed up at the Grammys too, remember that? Or the MTV music awards wearing a Metallica T shirt. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: One of the, the Sean's, the- right?
1: There yeah, was and yeah, he's played by Justin Timberlake in uh, the Social Sean Network.
2: Fanning. There's Fanning, and then there was another Sean.
1: I, I I remember the 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 celebrity versions of them more. Like I remember that the, the Army Hammer was the
2: uh yeah uh,
1: Dinglehoff. Whatever they call, what are they called? <laughs> Those <laughs>
2: twins, yeah, the Dinglehoff twins. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, maybe.
1: I just remember Army Hammer. The Russet like, twins. People, the the Russet twins. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think. I don't know if there's anything else that can be said about St. Anger. It know. will live on in the bargain bin. That's in the
0: bargain <laughs> bin for sure. Stay
1: it will for fight. sure live on in the bargain bin. Uh, but hey, you know what? Maybe it's your favorite record and uh, you want to defend it. So let us know. You know he can do that? We got a new way to do it. Oh. You can pick up the phone. Give pick up the phone. phone. Yeah. 780-851-8780 five, And uh yeah, we got a hotline. Call that number and let us know. That number oh good, is 780-851-8785. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. This is a new thing. Maybe we'll play you on the air um or maybe we'll just uh, you know. Not. Yeah, so like I mean, Let's you really
0: use this opportunity to call that number and maybe just yell at us for a minute or so if you love the album so much uh you can maybe just breathe heavily for 30 seconds uh, maybe we'll still play it i mean it yeah, could yeah. be better than saint anger who knows right come on oh, just,
1: uh, just give it a shot here's just one more thought i had at least you can actually hear bass on this album but like you literally yeah. hear the bass guitar <laughs> Um, on
2: bob's but, planet maybe that's
1: yeah, why yeah okay the other ways that you can uh reach out to us of course it's just through our social media uh we're at l2l pod on the uh twitter and the instagram and of course we are also on facebook so you can search us out there uh yeah we're dabbling in youtube uh we don't have enough followers to you know have one of those fancy urls so just go on YouTube, search. For learning to listen. Uh, we've got a couple episodes of our staff picks, which is kind of the opposite version of this up there. And um yeah, um, of course, email learning to listen podcast at gmail.com. That's another way to get a hold of us. But I mean, you know, if you're brave, try that number seven eight zero eight five one eight seven eight five. Big up the um, phone. Yeah, and of course, Patreon.com slash learning to listen. Uh that's where you get to hear us shoot the shit you know warm up the mics talk about whatever fancy you know whatever uh strikes our fancy that's what kind, what of, kind of
2: potatoes do you enjoy that's right
1: yeah. do you enjoy russet potatoes a Real potato talk <laughs> hater talk over on the patreon hit it yeah, yeah it's a real starchy subject all right yeah. of course and then uh yeah what else do you guys got going on
0: well, you can go on down to oldmandesign.com and get yourself some new shirts. I got T-shirts up there, and you should wear them. So go over there, check them out. I don't have any potato or Metallica-themed shirts, so I got nothing to talk about like that. But look, you want some Learning to Listen merch? That's where you get it, from oldmandesign.com. Go check it out.
1: Cool. Naomi, what do you got going on?
2: Uh, the podcast Dope Nostalgia. Uh, this week. This is coming out this week, right? Coming up?
1: Yeah. The 19th? Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, perfect.
2: This... That works out well, yeah. So on Thursday's episode, I'm having an interview with Neil Osborne of
1: 5440. Oh, right on. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. You can uh, ask him about the time that he went on tour with Hootie and the Blowfish, and uh they couldn't even fill the Coliseum.
2: <laughs> I didn't know they toured together.
1: Oh, sure did. I was there. I saw the whole thing. I mean, one show at the Coliseum, (laughs) and it was empty. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that's it. That's been Bargain Bin. Woo! Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, If you're playing along at home, I think the next episode we're going to be talking to Steve Gunn about the Deftones. Is it just Deftones? No, though, right? No. White pony. Uh, so you know, throw that on your turntable or in your CD player, or go look at your old LimeWire downloads, and you'll find them in there. But that's yeah, what we got coming up. And uh, until then, yeah, we'll see you next time. Kill,
0: Bye. Kill. 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 Kill.
2: the 1990s. The music was fun, and then it got really dark for a while, a little bit anti-establishment. But the next thing Mm -hmm. you knew, it was totally fun again. So many artists came and went, and left us wondering, what are they doing now? This podcast isn't about the heavy hitters who are still making millions. It's about everyone else, the ones whose careers didn't really leave that decade, and kind of just still live in our memory. So you mean Vanilla Ice had another song? We all know what happened to Marky Mark, but what about the Funky Bunch? Who were the KLF? And why did Tammy Wynette record a song with an electro dance band that topped the charts? Two genres that specifically defined the 90s. What were freestyle and New Jack Swing all about? Did you know that Blossom star Joey Lawrence had a huge pop hit? Or that Alanis Morissette had a really hot pop career in Canada before Dragged Little Pill? Special guests will also be joining me to discuss the great era of glitter, grunge, thin eyebrows, hammer pants, and total ridiculousness. We're even setting up some interviews with some of the musicians that define the times. Okay, so if you're older than 30, you might be sitting here going, Man, I totally remember that song, but I have no idea who does that. Well then, you better listen and find out. I'm Naomi Carmack, host of the ultimate 90s podcast, Dope Dope Nostalgia. Nostalgia. You're going to be busting the move again, coming in early 2020. You want to follow us so that you know when we go live? Check out our Twitter, at Nostalgia Dope or you can find us on Instagram at dope underscore nostalgia. If you've got a question or you just want to be on the show, email us at dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com.